Welcome to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Good Saturday morning to you. Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. Bill, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing great. Hope you are, Jason. I'm wonderful, Bill. I'm excited for the show today. We've got <laughs> a lot of ground to cover. We've got some seminars that we need to talk about happening on Wednesday. We've got uh, a warning for folks that uh, they need to pay attention to. But I wanted to start out, Bill, um, talking about timing, because this is always an important thing when it comes to estate planning. Well, well, it sure is. Uh, I mean, I, I get asked frequently by folks, um, you know, how often should I review my plan? Um, and that uh, clearly most people do not go see their attorney uh, the way they might go see their dentist. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, typically your dentist wants to see you at least once a year, if not twice. Uh, and, uh, you know, the you know what the average is for folks reviewing a plan, uh, an estate plan with an attorney is? I'm guessing it's getting into the double digits somewhere. It is. I mean, this might surprise you, but the average plan is reviewed about every 20 years. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> now... Uh, you know, for some folks, they say, well, what's wrong with that? Uh, and if you're lucky, uh, there's nothing wrong with that. However, um, it, you know, the fact is, is that uh, estate planning is something that should wrap in everything as that's important to you relating to uh, your property. And, and that is... Uh, how you have your accounts titled, how you, your beneficiary designations uh, are made, uh, what's you know what are you tr actually trying to accomplish? What are the laws surrounding all of those things? And uh, he here's something that's real important that a lot of folks don't realize is the fact that even if you've gone to an attorney and, and you've paid a good amount of money for a plan, you know, so you have a will or you have a trust, um, and the laws change, and there's significant changes that affect your plans, do you really think that the attorney has an obligation, or even if they don't have an obligation, are they going to reach out to you and say, hey, friend, client, come back in to review your plan because the law has changed. Do you think that happens? I don't think so. Rarely. No. I mean, unless the attorney's office has some kind of client care plan or maintenance plan where you're basically uh, talking to the attorney uh, on an ongoing basis, you know, typically at least once a year where there's a review of some kind uh, unless you have a, a, a normal um, uh, situation like that, which very few people do. I mean, uh, it, it's actually wonderful if a, a law office has a plan like that, but very few do. And uh, the fact is, is that um, unless you have a situation like that, the, the attorneys typically don't have a way to reach out to you to say, yeah, no, you better come back in. Uh, and so, uh, frankly, um, that's one of the things I want to warn people of today is that there is some legislation in Congress 
that is out there to that will significantly change plans for a lot of folks and that if if folks don't make some changes and see a good uh, estate planning attorney uh, who understands the dynamics uh, of these changes, um, their their family will be in for a rude awakening because there there are ways to avoid it. But uh, as it relates to laws changing um, and how I mean I've talked numerous times about how important title is to your planning and it's one of the things that most even good attorneys most attorneys don't go through that with you and it's one of the most important things that uh, should be done as a part of a good plan Um, and so uh, the the key uh, if you really get down to it is asset allocation how do you have your property titled how is it allocated and this is true whether you have a will or a trust but i'll give you a good example on how the laws change and how people sometimes don't get in under the wire to have their plans change i just had a consult recently with a wonderful uh lady who recently lost uh her husband and they actually had their a very good plan established in their will um, 20 years ago, actually 21 years, 1998. <laughs> okay. And so, in, and, and one of the first things she said, you know, uh, my husband and I had decided to have our plans reviewed, but he died before we got in to see the attorney. <laughs> and so I was going, okay, this is a story I've heard before. Uh, so let's look at the documents. And, and when I looked at her will, uh, her actually her husband's will, um, it, it had what we call AB trust planning in it. Now, this, this was a will-based trust, a testamentary trust, and it had in it what's called a credit shelter trust, uh, which back in 1998 was actually very good planning. It, it was a plan that would, uh, based on the laws in 1998, would have saved their children a significant amount of money on a state tax because in 1998, the federal exemption for a state tax was only $675,000. Well, back then, almost every family that was a middle-class family had about that much or more at, with life expectancy uh, left. And so it was highly likely, based on the laws back then, that if you didn't shelter your assets in a trust at the first death, uh, that uh, and we call those credit shelter trusts uh, using the unified credit of the estate tax code, um, if you didn't do that, then your children would end up having to pay an awful lot of tax, estate tax, which nobody wanted to pay if they could avoid it. So that's why the attorneys did those kinds of plans back then. But guess what happened? The laws changed, and they didn't change all at once. They were basically factored in over a period of about 10 years. Um, but the exemption rose very quickly from 675000 first to a million, and, and then it, it 
basically escalated each year to two million and eventually to five million. And today, the exemption amount per person is eleven point four million dollars. So, guess what? You don't. There are only a very, very few families that need these credit shelter plans. Any, now, there's lots of other reasons to have trust, but it's for most families, it's not because of a state tax. Now, we know that in six and a half years, that 11.4 is going to come back to 5.6 million, which again is far more than what most families have. So again, even when it returns to 5.6 million each person, uh, most families won't have to worry about the estate tax and won't need the AB or credit shelter type trust planning. Well, guess what? This lady's uh, husband left her a credit shelter trust for that was to benefit uh, the, the wife and the children and also the lineal descendant. So it could be uh, the, the trust could be used for the wife or the children or the grandchildren or the great-grandchild. So, <laughs> so what I'm getting at is that um, uh, we're going to make that plan work for her. But at the same time, uh, could there have been a better way to have planned? Absolutely. But it had everything to do with uh, having the right documents at the right time. So uh, now I, I know the point I'm trying to make is is that this next year may very well well be for almost everyone a time where they need their plans reviewed because the and um, when we come back, I, I want to talk about legislation in Congress today that is designed to take money out of your pocket and put it into the federal coffers. <laughs> and to the degree that folks want to preserve what they have, and to me that is a part of asset protection, I guess we could call it asset preservation, in reducing or eliminating tax because <laughs> if you have to pay your tax, you lose it. Yeah. And so uh, this uh, dangerous legislation, um, and truthfully, the pundits are saying that it's likely to pass. It's uh, already passed the House of Representatives uh, by almost unanimous vote. In other words, it's bipartisan. It's not Republican. It's not Democratic. It's both parties saying, yeah, we want to do this. Uh, and it's scary because it's dangerous to a lot of anybody who has a retirement account. Now, do you think that might be most of us? <laughs> yeah, I would say so. <laughs> well, that's the problem. And so uh, when we come back, uh, I want to uh, talk a little more in depth about how uh, assets – how you tie, you know, title to your property, beneficiary designations, how it all interacts, uh, and how this Secure Act is going to change things if it passes. Uh, and I, at, folks are saying that it will pass uh, in some form, and we'll talk about that when we come back. Well, I'm very excited to hear your breakdown of that legislation. We're also going to be talking about the seminars happening on Wednesday. We've got a special seminar happening uh, during one of the three sessions. We'll tell you about that. I want to remind you, if you're one of these people who's waited 20 years to review your documents, you might want to schedule an appointment with Bill 
Bill and sit down with him and see what he can do for you. 919-256-7000 is the phone number to schedule an appointment. 919-256-7000 or go online to wgalaw.com. wgalaw.com. A quick break and back with more. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. Thank you so much for joining us. We are having a discussion right now. Uh, we're talking about a couple things. We're talking about timing. We're talking about the importance of title to property. And Bill, there's also a, a piece of legislation that you have your eye on called the SECURE Act. Uh, absolutely. Uh, and I want to get to that. Because uh, that's where the big warnings are, and I, I want to spend some a good amount of time on that. But I also, before we get to that, I, I want to uh, define what I mean by good planning and why people need to review that planning. Um, because the, the goal, the object in terms of planning, as far as I'm concerned, is not simply to have legal documents. They, they can be important, um, certainly, but it's to have a plan that works, right? <laughs> That's what you're paying for, hopefully. And, uh, you know, in, in a lot of my uh, presentations, I have a slide that says most wills and most trusts don't work. Now, I do wills and trusts. Why would I say that to folks? It's real simple. Most don't work the way you want them to work or expect them to work. In other words, they fail in some way, shape, or form because a good plan will allow you to um, uh, control your property while you're alive and well. It will allow you to have a disability plan so that you can give someone a fiduciary obligation to spend your money on you if you need assistance during your lifetime. Uh, it allows you to leave your property at your death to the people that you want to, your loved ones. In other words, typically that's your spouse and your children, grandchildren, sometimes a great-grandchild. But to leave your property to whom you want to leave it to, the way you want to leave it to them, when you want to leave it to them, how you want to leave it to them, all at the lowest possible cost to you and your family. And by lowest cost, I mean taxes and professional fees or court costs. In other words, can you reduce your court costs? Can you reduce your taxes? Can you reduce uh, the professional fees that you pay in order to uh, have a plan that does exactly what you want it to do. That's good planning. And unfortunately, most plans fail to do that. And the reason that most plans fail is not because of the legal documents. They can be beautiful. But if you don't allocate your assets properly to make your plan 
consistent with the legal documents that you have and the beneficiary designations that you have, your plan will not work. Uh, now, uh, and I'll, I'll give you something else that ha- happens all the time before I get to the SECURE Act. I know I need to go back to that because it's so important. But, uh, for instance, um, uh, the, um, in, in order to reduce taxes uh, with retirement plans, um, most financial advisors assume that it's always in the best interest of the spouse to roll over a retirement account to the spouse. You know, husband dies, financial advisor gets in touch with the surviving spouse, and and it's basically, let me help you roll over this account, and we're going to do it immediately. And they do it before the uh, spouse has even gone to see the estate planning attorney to do the probate or trust administration or whatever it is, they get ahead of it like it has to be done within a few days because they're so afraid that they might lose that account or something along those lines. Um, uh, but the, uh, it's unfortunate because uh, particularly uh, under the, the code as it exists today, if the spouse doesn't need that money, in other words, plenty of other resources for the spouse, the spouse might want to disclaim that retirement account for one reason or another. Now, that's not always the case because sometimes the retirement account is the only thing they have because it's a big asset for a lot of families. But other, there are lots of situations where the spouse really doesn't need that money, and it's better tax planning to actually disclaim that retirement account. You know, clearly the spouse is almost always the beneficiary, and the children are next. Well, the children may be in a much lower tax bracket. Typically, the surviving spouse is going to be in a higher tax bracket because she's lost the exemptions of her husband. In other words, uh, when her husband was alive, um, they had double the amount of exemption. So with, with the loss of one spouse, then you have to drop back to half of uh, where your bracket starts on the income tax code, which puts a lot of people in a higher tax bracket when their spouse dies. And the children may be firemen and policemen and school teachers and nurses and other people who may not you know, have one of those occupations where they make a ton of money. Uh, and it may be actually better family planning to disclaim. Well, this is where the financial advisors really should delay until they have sought the counsel of the um, attorneys involved in the planning. And this can be frustrating at times. Once the rollover takes place, you cannot disclaim, and you're stuck with what you've done. So it's important. That's just another important thing for folks to know. So I hope the financial advisors are listening as it relates to this particular issue because, uh, truthfully, in almost every case, uh, the financial advisors have, have already had the paperwork signed for a rollover of the retirement accounts before I've ever seen uh, the client, and and then you, 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 you're already done for. But and, and I realize I've gone too far on that, so when we come back, I want to talk about the SECURE Act and, and the dangers of that act and uh, what folks need to do about it. 
We'll jump right into that right after this. Stick around. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. You can find more about him at WGALaw.com. That's Bill's website. There you can find plenty of information about Bill and the services he provides. You can find information on registering for his seminar, a new one coming up this Wednesday. If you don't miss, if you don't make this one, you'll have to wait until September to catch the next set of seminars. And WGALaw.com is also where you can catch Bill's podcast. It's the Asset Protection Today podcast. It's available on his website and also anywhere that you download your podcasts. And Bill, we've been uh, teasing this for a while here, so let's <laughs> let's get to the Secure Act. Okay. First things first. The Secure Act is not law yet. Okay, and it may not be because you know how can you predict what the heck uh, folks up there in Washington are doing? Good luck. Uh, exactly, but. We know that uh, a bill passed the House of Representatives, and it did almost unanimously, um, and it's called the SECURE Act. There is a a similar bill in the United States Senate. Uh, It has not passed yet, and it's a little bit different than the House, uh, and it's different in some important ways, but the pundits uh, are saying that Uh, a SECURE Act will pass, whether it will be the House version or the Senate version uh, or something in between, who knows? That's how laws are made. It's like sausage, and you just have no idea what's going to go into it or what it's going to taste like when it comes out. Uh, However, for those of us on the other side who have retirement accounts, no matter how you slice it, the SECURE Act Act is designed to take money out of our family's pocket and put it into the federal coffers. So, in other words, uh, this is a way Congress can uh, actually extract an additional $17 billion for their coffers each year. So, if they're getting $17 billion extra, in other words, more than what they're getting now based on the laws that exist now, do you think that might be bad for us? <laughs> I'd say so. <laughs> okay. So uh, what does the House version, which has passed already, uh, do? Um, it, now, it's it's regarding inherited IRAs. So it's not talking about a spouse, but it's sick. In other words, if you're a surviving spouse, this does not necessarily affect you. But when the property goes to the next generation, there's a significant impact, okay? And so um, so there are exceptions in terms of how this works, but for what we call inherited IRAs, the House version for all inherited IRAs has a 10-year payout period, okay? Now, right now, if you inherit an IRA, uh, what most parents would like to happen is for the children to preserve that retirement account 
and stretch out the distributions over their lifetime. In other words, each year, and it doesn't matter how old you are, you can be 10 years old and you will have a minimum required distribution if you inherit uh, an IRA from a parent or grandparent. And so, uh, and, but you have you can stretch them out over your entire lifetime. So, if you're 10 years old, you might stretch an IRA for 75 years or more. <laughs> so, this is Congress's way of eliminating the ability to stretch out an IRA and requiring that the IRA be paid out uh, with a maximum. Um, uh, stretch of 10 years, max. Okay, so that's a significant thing. So here is a warning that I think is really important because um, I have been an advocate for certain families to have IRA trusts. In other words, an irrevocable trust that you use as a beneficiary for large IRAs. And so uh, I've used those uh, for a lot of families in order to ensure so that that mom and dad know uh, that because they're using this trust that they can, in essence, force their children into a stretch mode so that uh, a child who's not thinking won't take a significant distribution early on. Uh, not realizing that it's a, a taxable event. So these trusts have been really ex- uh, helpful to families over the past number of years um, uh, based on the law that exists. But the SECURE Act will change all that. So the, war- the first warning I'm going to give that's really important for folk, for financial advisors, bankers, and particularly clients that have a trust that they are using as a beneficiary of a retirement account, if the SECURE Act passes, they need to act immediately to change either their trust or their beneficiary designation uh, or both. Now, why is it a problem and why is it a huge issue? Well, uh, the great majority of IRA trusts, and I can say this because I've done a bunch of them, uh, is what's called a conduit trust. Now, what that basically means is that those distributions that are paid by the custodian to the trustee are then automatically distributed to, um, to the beneficiary, to the child or grandchild. Um, but only that. Now... For a younger child that doesn't have a minimum required distribution, or let's say they're 70 uh, and a half with a very low minimum required distribution, in essence, the trust is accumulating that all of that which is not distributed. So what happens is um, that except for those really tiny minimum distributions that are required – the entire trust will pay out in year 10, less those little bitty distributions over the first nine years. Well, guess what? All of that distribution is taxed in one year as ordinary income. Not good. (laughs) Okay. So you can depend on that being taxed at the very highest tax 
rate. Uh, and so um, that's really scary. And, and if you uh, withdraw inside the trust without the distribution uh, over that 10-year period, you again will be at the very highest tax rate, income tax rate, which is 37%. And for most families, that's way above what they would normally uh, have to pay as it relates to their income tax brackets. Uh, because trust tax brackets, you pay 37% on income of a trust that's not distributed at the $11,750 level, which is very low. If you were an a, uh, individual taxpayer, that uh, you wouldn't pay the highest tax rate until you get to $510,000. And if you're married, you have to be over $612,000 before you pay the highest tax rate. So it's um, – no. now, for an individual, I take that back. Uh, you, any, well, no, I don't. 510, that's right. Otherwise, you're at 35% below uh, that. But um, that's pretty scary to have all of that uh, – taxed at the highest tax rate because it has to be distributed. Well, that's the way those trusts work. And so if you have one of those trusts, you need to change it or you need to change it altogether in terms of how you do your beneficiary designation. But hey, it still affects all of us in a significant uh, way. And for instance, uh, oftentimes, if you think about it, and you might say, well, what's wrong with a spousal rollover? Well, oftentimes when the husband dies, the, the average for a spouse in surviving their husband or wife is typically less than 10 years, right? Well, if you're at an age where it's less than 10 years, that um, then um, – Obviously, you're going to have a fairly high minimum required distribution anyway, and if your children are not high-wage earners at a high tax bracket already, this is why if the spouse doesn't need the retirement account money, that, that uh, then she or he could disclaim all or part of it so that it would go to the children and and be enjoyed by them during your lifetime and taxed at a much lower tax rate. So uh, that um, is planning that a lot of folks don't think about, but it, it's going to be more important when you recognize that this, if this SECURE Act passes, it's going to be a huge change in the law that affects many people's planning. It will affect every person's planning who has a retirement account. So it's really important. Now, the Senate version is different from the House version in, in two regards that I'm aware of. Number one, they exempt part to allow lifetime stretching. In other words, and I don't know if that will be part of this or not, but uh, I, my understanding is that the Senate version actually exempts uh, the first four hundred and fifty thousand dollars. So, if that if the Senate version passes, then that's going to be a lifesaver for most families because truth is most families don't have retirement accounts that exceed that amount. Um, but there's also a kicker in the Senate 
uh, and that is the Senate version reduces the 10-year payout to a five-year payout. So, uh, in other words, some in other words, some families will get a better deal. Other families will get screwed. <laughs> so, you know, that's what changes in the tax law do, does. It always benefits some and screws others. So, um, but this Secure Act is a screw job for anybody with um, with a retirement account. Uh, so. For those folks who want to contact their senators, doesn't do any good to contact the House members because they've already passed this. But if they want to contact their senators and say vote against this or don't let it out of committee or whatever, that's fine. Uh, you know how much our voice may, means to those folks up in Washington is uh, from, from from what all of us can observe is very little. Uh, but uh, to the degree that you you voice yourself, you at least can feel good about the fact that you've said something that some to somebody that could make a difference, and hopefully that will uh, may change things. So obviously the Senate version is probably better for most families, but either version that passes is going to have a significant impact on everyone with a retirement account and how they plan. Uh, and uh, particularly those with an IRA trust, they really have to uh, act very quickly in order to change their planning uh, based on this. Now, uh, no matter – even if it passes next week, which, of course, is highly unlikely, um, it will not be effective until January 1. Um, so anybody who wants to die before January 1, then you'll be grandfathered. <laughs> so, uh, you know, is that a good thing? I don't think so, but uh, okay. Uh, and then there's also uh, exemptions that are uh, – so it would not apply uh, to spouses. We mentioned that. It won't apply to minor children – if so, if a person dies young it, and, uh, you know, children lose both their parents or something along tragedy like that, it doesn't apply to them until they're 21. Uh, and so they can have a lifetime stretch until they're 21 and then they get another 10 years after 21. And, but obviously it's still limited. Uh, for a child who's disabled, they're exempt, so they get a lifetime stretch. The chronically ill, don't ask me to define that yet because I, I can't, um, and also individuals that are not uh, more than 10 years younger than the decedent. In other words, if you were leaving it to, for instance, um, a brother or a sister, uh, someone who's about your same age, then you, in other words, that would be treated more like a spousal rollover where they get their lifetime exemptions uh, under those circumstances. So there are some exemptions out there that folks need to know about, but for most of us, uh, well, it's a big warning that this is a big change. Now, when we come back, I can discuss a few uh, of uh, things that families might want to do because there are an awful lot of folks out there that know that they're, they have great concerns that their children won't be able to manage a retirement account properly. And so there are some options that parents can uh, take um, so that they can have better planning for their children. 
Very good. We'll get to that as well as a special seminar that we have coming up this Wednesday. We'll talk about that next. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Welcome back to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Thank you so much for joining us, Jason Kong, alongside Bill Alexander. And I want to remind everyone that uh, Bill's got some seminars coming up this Wednesday that you can attend for free. We do ask that you register in advance. You can go online to wgalaw.com or you can call the office 919 919- Two five six seven thousand and Bill, you know you do your regular uh, seminars that uh, deal with Medicaid and well, government assistance. Well, we do because any family that is concerned about uh, paying for long term care, uh, which is not covered by your health insurance, in other words, it's private pay unless uh, you can fall into a situation where government assistance is available to you, and that comes in two primary sources. And this is especially important for any family that does not have long-term care insurance, which, guess what? That's most of us, okay? So uh, everybody needs to come. But uh, the bottom line is the two sources uh, for long-term care uh, are, are Medicaid, not Medicare, Medicaid, which, of course, is a means-tested program, and VA improved pension benefits for war period veterans and their spouses and widows uh, or widowers. And so uh, those are the – now, Medicaid comes in several different flavors uh, for long-term care. So there's not just one program. There's a bunch of different programs out there that can help families. So if you're interested in learning about these programs, and I have to say, it's almost virtually impossible for someone to understand these programs on their own uh, because the, the, uh, there's not material out there for them to read and understand. It's incomprehensible what's out there. So this is a, a really important educational opportunity for folks, and we're doing two seminars on that which, of course, has to do with long-term care. We're doing that our morning program at 10 and then our evening program at 6.30. My my 2 o'clock seminar will be on asset protection and preservation. Uh, And, you know, that basically is for everybody because who's not interested in how – what do we need to do to put in place what – What is out there that can help us protect our property for ourselves and our families? Um, And and so, and and part of that is tax planning. Part of it is liability planning. Part of it is um, well, it's it's all of the above. And how do we protect our spouse? How do we protect our children? Um, So that. Everybody should uh, be interested in in that, and if and if we have a good turnout, I'll continue to do this one as well uh, over time. Yeah, and I'm hoping you do because it's it's valuable information that usually you'd have to sit down and pay for with an attorney. You're you're doing this free of charge to uh, uh, share this information with people, and again, you can go online to wgalaw.com 
or call the office, 919-256-7000. That's the phone number. And I, and I would mention, because some folks uh, get confused on where we do the seminar, we do it at Independence Village of Old Raleigh, which uh, is an independent living community that's located a couple blocks from Rex Hospital, uh, the main Rex Hospital in, in Raleigh. Um, and it's a great location for us, very centrally located, and it's easy to get to. Excellent. That's, that, that's where to go. Don't head to Bill's office because uh, he won't be there. <laughs> He'll be at the seminar. Right. Well, Bill, we, I know we had one, more, one other thought that we wanted to get to. Well, uh, some solutions for folks who are going, well, what am I going to do? Uh, other than changing my beneficiary designations, changing my trust, getting rid of my trust, whatever it is, some of the simple solutions, and some of them are not so simple, is might be converting to Roth. They will still have a 10-year payout, which will disappoint an awful lot of folks uh, if it's inherited. But but there's no tax, so you know that makes it a whole lot uh, less problematic. But if you're going to do Roth uh, conversions, you really should do them during uh, while you're married and while you're both living. Because you have most folks have a lot of extra room at a lower tax rate when they're married because they have to double the exemptions uh, from income tax. So that uh, you also need to consider where your children live. If they live in a high tax state where there's state income tax, that is a huge issue as it relates to planning. So if people live in California, New Jersey, New York, places uh, places like that, beware of state income tax and how that plays into this planning as well. Uh, You can also, um, uh, other than that, you can use a charitable remainder trust if you have charitable intent. You can use life insurance, second-to-die life insurance policies, and basically withdraw retirement um, money in order to pay for the life insurance premium. So you're basically converting it early. And I would also have one last warning, and I don't have enough time to talk about all this, but uh, for instance, a lot of folks don't consider the fact that if they receive a lot of ordinary income from an IRA distribution, let's say that you're forced into taking $100,000 or $200,000 from an IRA in one year, that is going to cost you addition, not just income tax, but it will cost you uh, as much as an extra $7,200 a year in Medicare premiums. If you're over 65 and on Medicare, your typical cost is $135 a month for Medicare Part B. But if your income goes up, there's what's called IRMA that I've warned folks about before, which increases your Medicare premium and it can go up over $400 a month. So you could be paying an extra $300 a month just for basic Medicare because of having to take extra income from your retirement account. A lot of folks don't factor that in, but $7,000 is a lot of money to most folks. It's extra tax, if you will, because you have to pay those Medicare premiums. You don't have a choice. So that should be factored into it as well. 
Yeah, there's a, a lot of unintended consequences when some of these decisions are made. And again, Bill, that's why it's so important to have uh, the perspective of an expert and that sort of expertise so that you know exactly what all these different consequences will be if changes like these come down the pike. A quick break and back with more. Stick around. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. I want to remind you there's still time to register for Bill's seminars this Wednesday. You can go online to WGALaw.com. That's Bill's website, WGALaw.com. Remember, Bill has uh, two of his traditional seminars discussing uh, long term care and government assistance, Medicaid, VA benefits. Those are at 10 and 6.30, and he's got a special seminar this week at 2 o'clock, and that is centered all on asset protection. Uh, Again, it's a a great opportunity to get plenty of wonderful information for free. All we ask is that you register in advance. You can call the office, 919-256-7000, or go online, wgalaw.com. We are out of time for today. I want to remind you that uh, you can get great tidbits from Bill throughout the week by subscribing to his podcast, the Asset Protection Today podcast. You can do that online at WGALaw.com. It's a wonderful website. We encourage you to check it out. We are out of time. We hope you will join us again next week. On behalf of Bill Alexander, I am Jason Kong, thanking you for listening to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Have a wonderful weekend.